Welcome back to the United Pubcast. It's Larry again. Tom, it's all positive energy today, mate. It's a 4-1 victory. Manchester United, doom and gloom. Harry Maguire's rubbish. Not bad, huh? Well, I'm telling you, after those first two minutes, I was thinking this potentially could be our worst ever podcast. Well, not our worst ever podcast, but the podcast I look least forward to. However, 90 minutes later, and I'm probably looking forward to this podcast more than anyone we've done so far. Yeah, it ended up being a 95-minute match when you include injury time. Uh, the first minute was a shocker, but uh, we'll get into it. And before we do rip into the podcast, I just want to give a little shout-out to Perth supporters member James Haywood. Uh, I know he's doing a little bit tough, lost his pooch. Um, Charlotte, mate, we're thinking of you. I hope you're doing all right, and I hope the result this morning has lifted your spirits a little bit. Um, losing a dog is always, yeah, it's, it's pretty crummy, to be honest. But... Let's hope we can lift some more spirits with this podcast. Tom, Manchester United 4, Newcastle United 1. And let's start with the team selection. Um, first of all, Harry Maguire. Jeez, he marched into the game, but were you surprised he wasn't dropped? Yeah, well, we spoke about in the last podcast. I thought I could understand both sides, but Adrian made a good point where maybe he was the type of character that might have been worse if you did drop him. Maybe it was something you do just try and play him through. However, I just did think it got to the stage where it was best for Solskjaer. Whether you call it drop him or rest him, he just needed a break. And I thought it was a good opportunity after the England debacle that Solskjaer would leave him out. And I thought Solskjaer sort of hinted in that direction in his press conference where he said he picked up some kind of a knock, where I thought that was just textbook. Okay, he can have one or two games out, supposedly injured. But he's played him. He's played him from the start, and it's right for, It's the right decision. Um, I was a little bit sceptical when I did see his name there, but... Look, he scores a goal and he plays a good game, so hats off to not only Solskjaer for sticking with him, but obviously Maguire for bouncing back. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing to add there. I thought he, it was, he was obviously fantastic today. and uh, But you know what? The longer I thought about it, with PSG on the horizon, there was no way he was going to play that game without Maguire. So I can understand from his perspective, and then you take into account... The centre-halves we have aren't exactly reliable. So, look, the, we're, I'm happy we got the result, put it that way, because if we got a negative result, I think it could have been a whole different commentary that both of us would be speaking right now. But it did work out. Talking about something that did raise a few eyebrows, let's rip into the midfield selection. I don't know about you, but I was very surprised to see Fred and Scott McTominay starting in the midfield. Is it December 2019 all over again? We did have a Newcastle feel when we played them there last year. And I remember that was the day I almost turned on Fred. Well, not almost turned on Fred. I did turn on Fred that day. But um, he has come a long way in a year. When that team, team came out, I set the alarm for maybe 20 to 6 in the morning. I saw the lineup when I woke up and I thought, actually, I don't mind that. I can see what Solskjaer is doing. However, I thought, look, I can just imagine the reaction on social media. And I had a quick glance at Twitter. And the reaction to that team selection was just... It was, it was horrendous, it was toxic. And I was looking at it and I was thinking, okay, I can understand there's a few surprises in there, but I was quite happy with it. I could almost, I think a lot of us forget how big a game PSG is. And we've all criticised Solskjaer in the past, say he plays the same 11 every single week. Well, now he's rotating the side in a lesser game against Newcastle compared to PSG. Okay, it is very important. But he's used his midfield, he's used his depth, he's trusted in it, and it's worked. So I think Solskjaer got it bang on. Spot on, mate. Um, look, I'll be honest with you. When I saw the midfield and I messaged you, I was like, it's a weird 11. Uh, but I didn't think it, it would be all doom and gloom. Like, Fred and McTominay are capable footballers. And it's just great to see. I mean, let's look, flip it the other way. Like, when you looked at that bench, Van der Beek, Pogba, there was some yeah. class there. 
It's, it's one of the yeah. games we've always criticised the bench. It's one week it almost make a case the bench was almost stronger than the starting eleven. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it did work out. And uh, I'm sure, speaking of midfielders, there's a one maestro that I'm sure you'll be full of praises for, but we'll come to it. Let's rip into the actual game. Uh, Luke Shaw, we, we touched on it to st- open the podcast. It did start with a shocker and we thought the worst was meant to come. They, there's a bit of an overlap. Uh, John Joe Shelby, or as I, he looks like the bloke from... Uh, um, what's, what's that movie? I'm having the biggest mind blank. Um, you Harry know, Potter. Billion dollars. Oh, Dr. Evil, Austin Powers. Oh, Dr. Evil, yeah, John Joe Shelby. <laughs> Do you see it? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more Voldemort from Harry Potter. Not oh, he is a Voldemort. Yeah, he's, he's an evil bastard, John Joe Shelby. Arsehole. Anyway, um, he crosses the ball. Horrible deflection off Luke Shaw. I don't think he could have done much there. It's just a really unfortunate... Nothing De Gea could have do, couldn't react. He catches De Gea wrong-footed and it leads to a 1-0, um, 1-0 to Newcastle. What were you thinking at this point? And are you critical of the defence um, in the build-up to this goal? I think I forget how the Newcastle sort of broke. I forget how they got into Lindelof, that position. I think it was. Um, we kicked off. Lindelof makes a little drive, goes for a pass, and they're basically on the ball. Yeah, so look, they obviously had to travel a long way and they, they get into that position where teams are going to get into a crossing position countless times throughout a match. They've got no problem with that and no problem with Shaw or De Gea. However, when you do see that, how early was it? 30 seconds into the game, a minute into the game, you just think, can it, it was like the Harry Maguire red card against for England. You just think, can this get any worse? Like It was almost so expected that we're going to go down early in the game. And when that happens, you just think, how is this team going to recover? Because we've criticised this team so often, uh, lacking a little bit of resilience. Like when they go a goal down, do they have that fight to come back? And you, you, you genuinely question them because it would have been heartbreaking for them to think, can this get any worse? And it obviously can with a sort of a horror own goal. But credit to them because it was the only negative. We got the first negative and the only negative out of the way in the first two minutes of the match. Yeah, absolutely. And... Well, we're talking about that offence here. I mean, full of praise, like you said, it, it was quite positive from here. Let's talk about Harry Maguire, Tom, because we were 1-0 down, but the captain, he really made a statement here. He gets us back into the match. Bruno Fernandes with the corner and Captain Maguire, he gets his head on it and it's one all. Was it Bruno or do you need to go and apologise to um, Mr. One Matter? I'm sure it was One Matter with the cross. Was it, it was One Matter with the cross? It was an outswinging cross, so I assume it was left-footed. All right, well, geez. Uh, I'm, me, I'm sure, the, I'm sure a... the listeners are screaming to us, and I should know. I should know if Matt got the assist or not, but I'm positive it was an outswinging corner. <laughs> but yeah, on the goal by Maguire, it's a captain's goal. It's when you're one nil down and you've got a set piece, you need someone to step up. And I watched the reverse angle when the ball was sort of floated in. Harry Maguire wasn't favourite for it. He was, there was a few bodies in between him, but he really made an effort to get in front. It wasn't like a charging head like Nemanjevic climbing over people. But he had to sort of, sort of put the afterburners on and get into a good position, and he attacked it well. And look, I, I think it's horrible defending by Newcastle. Whoever's defending, if you don't have players on the post, you deserve to concede off a corner. I, I cannot understand teams who don't have players on the post. But credit to Maguire. To, he sees the opening on the far stick and finds it. How happy were you for him? Because we spoke about it. Like we, were, we both expected him to be dropped. We thought he needed a rest. He has a horror week with England. I really felt proud of him. I thought it was a real captain's performance today. 
Well, that, that goal, there's almost different emotions when some types of when different types of goal go, goals go in. It sort of generates a different type of emotion. And this one, it wasn't that anger. You didn't have a release of anger. I'm not so, not saying Maguire. I'm talking about myself. But it was one of those goals where you just punch the air and say like, "Get in!" Like he deserves that. Like as you say, you have got a real sense of pride for him because, like we mentioned for the last couple of weeks, it just gets worse and worse for him. And he's stuck with it, and you have to stick by him. And Solskjaer stuck by him, and the players obviously do respect him. And um, he was getting so much criticism, and not only by the media, but our, but our own fans. And when he can shut the fans up, um, it does make you feel good because a lot of our fans do need shutting up. I'm with you. I'm definitely happy for the captain. And talking about players who have come under pressure in recent times, David de Gea, Tom. Seriously, that, I think I think the old the old Spaniard's back. He's back. He's got a spring in his step. I don't know if it was Henderson coming in and it's kept him on his toes or what it what it was, but that save he pulled out. I'm not sure who it was with the save. Uh, sorry, with the shot, but um, the ball was definitely going in. He, he had a, he needed to have spider like reflexes, and boy, did David really pulled us out when it was this was one one all at the point. So the game was on the line, and he makes a crucial save. It wasn't only the save. Look, fantastic save. It's not only the save for me. It's he gets his hand to it. Then he has a decision to make. He could have stopped the ball there. He could have palmed it out almost just the natural reaction, just straight out. But he has directed the palm out straight to Luke Shaw's feet. Like It's almost a pass. He's thinking, hang on, if I save this and just hold it here, just do the basic right, the striker's going to have a tap in. But he has palmed it out into the direction of our defender. So I remember there was a save years ago, years ago in an FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. Arsenal were playing there. I think, I think they might have been against Sheffield United. And um, David Seaman made a save at Old Trafford. And um, it was one of those ones where the ball goes behind him. And this one was behind De Gea. It had him beat him. It was a goal. I was thinking, God, we're 2-1 down. And just somehow, this, this reflex is just magic. And I have criticised the club and Solskjaer's decision to have Henderson and De Gea at the club at the same time. I know you previously spoke and said you don't mind it. You can, see, you can sort of see the benefit of it. I'm still a little bit sceptical. But if you look at it at the moment, Henderson hasn't put a foot wrong and he's getting game time. We'll get into if he plays against PSG or not. And I know De Gea has conceded, what, 11 or 12 goals so far this season. But I think De Gea has been, I wouldn't say excellent, but De Gea has been very good. I'd say De Gea, if you give it out of sort of out of 10 rating for the season, I think De Gea is sitting on an 8 out of 10 already. He's a contender for match of the year. Uh, sorry, for player of the year if he keeps up his current form. I'm not going to say he's... David De Gea from two seasons ago, if you remember that game against Arsenal when we won 3-1, but boy, we should have been down 5-0. Um, not quite there yet, but I'm seeing positive. I'm happy to see him return to some sort of positive form. And that brings us to players returning in a form. Bruno Fernandes, Tom, the curse. We said he'll never miss a penalty, but the more he keeps making them and making them, you're going to get cursed eventually. He doesn't take his favoured spot up or the hop that we've you know come to love. And boy, he misses. But fantastic save by the goalkeeper. Yeah, look, it's one of those ones. Players are going to miss penalties. Probably the best penalty taker I've ever seen at United. Rude Van Istroy missed penalties. Like, it is going to happen. And just all, just thank God that it's happened in a game where, where we've sort of gone on to get the victory. Because if that's in our current situation, if that happens and it costs us, you don't know what that's going to do to Bruno's confidence and the team's confidence. So it's a, it's a good game where you don't have to rely on a penalty to win, which we've... We, we try to hide from the fact that we haven't been doing that. But if you look at the stats, we kind of have been relying on penalties. I wouldn't use that as a criticism, but it's kind of the way the game has been panned out um, in recent weeks. So it is good to get a convincing result without needing it. 
I think Bruno Fernandes got sick of the Fernandes uh, nickname because he thought, I'm just going to miss this one because I'm going to score an absolute banger to make it 2-1 in the 83rd minute or something like that. Um, pl- a wonderful ball played through the Rashford. Rashford's committing the defender back foot to Bruno. You're thinking, oh, it looks like a narrow finish. Not a problem. Bruno Fernandes on a plate, top corner. Was How a bit risky finish? to finish it. Yeah, there was no need to put it in the top corner. I was thinking, well, geez, he doesn't have to put it up there. He could have just rolled it in. But the confidence and yeah, the accuracy, just pure class. Not, not only that, the finish, the, the pass by Rashford and the finish is a great goal. That goal started in the opposite corner with Donny van der Beek and Bruno Fernandes. So Bruno Fernandes has linked up the play and then gone on a 70, 80 metre run to get on the end of it. And obviously why matters intervention in the middle as well. So I think, I remember casting my back a few months ago, the counter-attack against Brighton, I think it was, will saying that's the greatest goal post-Fergie. And I, for some, I, I think visually that goal against Brighton maybe stands out a little bit more than this. I just think it's a little bit, not cleaner, but a little bit more sort of textbook and United-related. But this goal is arguably just as good. I have to put credit on one Mutter's name. I know I'm stealing some glory for you, Tom, but he played the ball to Rashford in the build-up to this goal, and it was honestly world-class. I know you're going to sing his praises later. I have no doubt about it. We are going to get to the 3 2 well, but Before we get to the 3 2 ones and Matter, just on that goal, just on the pass you mentioned, I remember saying, I just watched it five minutes ago before we went on air. That pass, it, it looks like a very good pass, but I'm telling you, if you slow that down, it is more than that. Because the ball, Bruno and Donny van der Beek are playing a few one touches, and Donny van der Beek plays the ball into one Matter first time, and any player, when you're in that groove and he sees Rashford on the run, we're trying to continue that play by hitting a first-time pass where uh, where Matter could have easily hit a first-time pass to Marcus Rashford and sort of keep that flow going. But he's realised that's not the perfect opportunity. He just takes a touch, just to slow it down and let Marcus Rashford get into his stride and then plays the pass. And it's just that composure. I don't think the goal would have eventuated if he hit that first time and tried to continue the sort of the great one-touch play. He realised, OK, it's great to be able to move the ball first time, but this occasion didn't call for it. This occasion... Called for slowing the play down and sort of gathering your composure and then sort of continuing the attack. So, look, we will get, we'll, we'll get into one matter's performance later, but that individual pass, I think, deserves a lot more credit than um, some people might give it. He says we're going to get into one matter later. He's not in my notes, but three, two, ones are coming. So I wonder where, where, I wonder where one matter will come up, but we shall see. Tom, we're obviously improving in the final third. Let's talk about a player whose final third performances have been criticised. Aaron Wambasaka, that goal. Whew. Didn't know he had it in his locker. Well, the players joked about it as well. and right, But I think there's always a player like that in your team. And it's usually a left or a right back who is always very good. The players love it. He's always almost first name on the team. So he does his job but never scores a goal. But when they do score a goal, you can tell the reaction by the players. I remember when Gary Neville, he used to never score. But when he did score... The players used to love it, the fans used to love it, and this had a very similar feel because it's not only his first goal for United, but apparently his first ever goal in professional football, like in senior football. So, and we now have definitely criticised. Yeah, well, we'll definitely criticised before. Yeah, well, this one knocked up his fiftieth before fiftieth appearance for United as well. But we we definitely have criticised his sort of output in the final third. But he, we've always, while we do that, we always say, well, he does have this in his locker. Like he, he does sort of have the attributes to go and do this. So hopefully this does give him the confidence where he maybe, I'm not saying go on and sc- score a couple more goals, but just be a little bit more sort of productive in that final third because it was a belting goal. And like, it's like the Harry Maguire one. You just have a real, it was a real good feel factor when, it, when you saw it go in because you saw the team reaction, you saw the team spirit, 
he saw Solskjaer, he loved it. And um, yeah, just very proud of him. I'm with you. And to wrap it all up, um, Marcus Rashford. I mean, he had a fantastic performance, Rashford. Got an assist, got a goal. I thought his all-round performance, like, yeah, it was a cool finish, but if we're just touching on his performance, can we both agree it's much improved? It just seems to have his sharpness back. I thought it was one of Rashford's... In terms of his... Maybe not his, like, his best performance in a long time, but his best centre-forward performance. I thought it was perfect. And I thought... I wouldn't say it was a better performance for what Martial would put in, but I think he just looked... A little, I wouldn't say fitter than Martial, but he... And I'm not saying play Rashford over Martial when he's fit. But he looked like sort of a bit more mobile than Martial. He looked sort of real athletic and he was getting in behind. Even if the ball wasn't coming to him, he was sort of getting in behind, stretching them. And I thought, I still see him as more effective on the left wing. But if he can fill in there, it's definitely not the same game if Agarlo's up front. And again, Cavani's got to bring something different and Cavani will play. But in terms of, it was a potential to play Rashford on left and Agarlo up front today or Rashford. There was the right decision to play Rashford there by Solskjaer because... I thought he was exactly what you want from a centre forward, and I, look, there's no secret who I'm going for in my three two ones. But I would have no argument if someone was to put Rashford in there. Yeah, he was fantastic, and his game's evolving. Like bloody hell, for all the criticism we've said, for all the, you know, he might not be world class. We need to temper our expectations of him. He's 22. He's going to turn 23. Like this is a young footballer. Who knows where his ceiling will go? But. I'm glad to see that improvement in his game, and I'm really happy to see him have a real mature centre-forwards game. Tom, I know you've been waiting for this, mate. It's three two ones. Do I even need to ask you who the three points is going to, or should I just give you the floor? Well, look, I'm giving a matter... And before I get into his performance, which I haven't touched on in terms of the parts I haven't touched on before, are you nominating anyone for three points? Because people are going to miss out. Like, I'm definitely going to say one matter, but there's a few cases. Other people are definitely worth a shout. No, no, I'm with you, to be honest. I thought Mata made United tick. Um, I know that's a cliche, but I feel like everything that happened in the final third was because of his initial build-up. He just added a real tempo. The frustration with him was the balance of the side kind of got killed a little bit, and I mean that not as a criticism to him, but obviously he he drifts centrally. So the balance on the right-hand side wasn't quite there, but everything he did, like he dropped deep, um, and the goal that he did, uh, and the sorry, the pass that he pa- provided to Rashford in the build-up to Bruno's goal, like bloody hell, that's what it's all about. Those clutch moments. You, everyone talks about Paul Pogba, Van der Beek. You know, Pogba's this star player. One Matas fan, he's the best passer in our team. I don't care what anyone says, he really is. He's got, and just the the way his mind operates, he's for what he lacks in terms of pace in his legs, he more than makes up for it for what's in between his ears. He's such a wonderful footballer and. I could make a case for him to play much more football this season, and I think he will. I think he's earned the trust of Solskjaer, and rightfully so. You just say there in regards to his mind and maybe the best passer in the team. There's little things which I don't think many people would pick up, but if you do sort of analyse it and if you do watch his performance closely, there's so many incidents where he'll get the ball, he'll control it, and he'll play a 10-yard pass. Play a 10, 15-yard pass, it looks like a nothing thing. However, the difference when you compare when maybe that's Jesse Lingard or Andreas Pereira or a Scott McTominay, or a Fred who plays that pass, Matter is thinking two or three steps ahead. He's getting the ball and thinking, okay, McTominay's there. I'm going to play the ball to McTominay. However, where's McTominay's next pass? Okay, McTominay wants to play that ball out to the right. There's his defender, so I'm going to play the ball to that foot at that speed so he can take that ball in his stride and play that pass. I remember there's so many times when... I remember he used to play with Valencia. Valencia was on the right right side, and uh, Juan Matter was on the right side as well. And, one, and Valencia would just ping the ball at his chest. 
that's not one matter's game. One matter would want the ball on his left foot or something like that. So he's always thinking of, okay, who's receiving this pass? Where's that next play? Where's that player? Where does he want to play the ball? Where's his defender? Should I put spin on the ball? Should I wait the pass? Should I overhit the pass? Okay, so he's always thinking that it, the end result just looks like a normal pass. But it looks like a normal pass because he's taking so much care with it. And I look at Bruno Fernandes, who, again, I don't want to make this sound like a criticism of Bruno, but there's just no care in his game. And look, he ends up winning us the game, so fantastic. And I love Bruno for that. But you can see a difference because I thought Bruno's performance, while good today, was, was so sloppy, I thought, at times. There was passes where he was just, I hate to use the word again, but careless. Just knocking the ball out of play and just not thinking. He was just thinking, okay, Fred's there, I'll give it to Fred. With no purpose of, okay, what's Fred going to do with the ball? So again, I thought one matter. Look, everyone I thought was very good today and have no argument if someone did want to say someone else. I'll see the Facebook comments. There's a few other shouts for three points. But I thought one matter, head and shoulders above anyone on the pitch. No arguments from me. I think the world deserved three points to the special one. Um, Tom, two points. We've sort of touched on it. I think it's Marcus Rashford here. You said we could have made a case for him to be man of the match. And there's a case for Bruno. Um, you know, you're saying he was careless and sloppy, but he got the winner at the end of the day. Um, I think Rashford well deserved two points here. I thought he was just behind one Mata in terms of the best player on the pitch for United. Yeah, look, I, I couldn't really split it. You, you, you could put the, the three for me, I was thinking for the remaining two points would be a mix of Rashford, Bruno and De Gea. Um, I think Rashford, maybe with that last goal, if he didn't get it, maybe he would have slipped down the pecking order, but he has yep. finished it. He's sent a forward display with a goal. So, um, yeah, and look, I've been very critical of Rashford. So to see him put in a performance like that and show a side to his game, which maybe I don't see too often, I can only be full of praise for him today. And fair play for the two points. Well deserved two points for Marcus. All right, the one point. Bruno De Gea, you've said that. I'd argue you could throw Harry Maguire in there. Where's it going? I think, if I may, I want to make the case for De Gea. I think the save he makes at one all is crucial in the context of the match. The end scoreline says 4-1, but if he doesn't make that save there, United go behind for the second time in the game. I don't know if they'd have the mental strength to come back. Just given what's happened in the last few weeks, I thought that save was crucial. And goalkeepers, it's about moments for him. I thought he was fantastic today, De Gea. Yeah, yeah, no, it's hard to argue with that because usually when we say match-winning save, it's usually, okay, it's 2-1 up in the 89th minute and they make a save. That's a match-winning save. However, this is, I don't know, 20 minutes to go or 30 minutes to go, whenever it was, at one all. So even with the save, we could potentially still go on to lose the game or go on to draw the game. But if that goes in, I can't see us coming back and winning 3-2. So for me, it is a match-winning save. And again, for someone who's come in for so much criticism over recent weeks or recent months with De Gea, He's sort of shown that fight to come back. And again, I've used this word with a few players in this podcast. I'm just immensely proud of him because he could go into his shell. He could just say, oh, God, Henderson's here. My career's done at United. But he used it as motivation to find his form again. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, And I'm keen to see where that battle goes. But we'll get into the PSG preview in a moment. Tom, I'll give it to you. Just go through some social media comments from our loyal listeners. Yeah, it was nice to see some positivity on um, the timeline today, um, which I wasn't expecting after that first 30 seconds. But we'll go on to Facebook. And George said, after seeing this morning, I can't understand why Matter hasn't played more in the Premier League. We need someone with his football IQ to break down teams that set up with low blocks against us and who can take creative pressure off Bruno. 
which was both 100%. I'm glad everyone's getting back on this one matter train. Like, I felt like I've been banging a sort of dead drum for the past couple of months, but um, it is good to see that he is getting a little bit of love now. Um, Tom Gravy on Facebook said, the difference in quality when we had a midfield of Matter, Bruno, Pogba and Donny van der Beek all on, the pla- all on the pitch playing together was awesome. Steve Smith said, this is United of last year. The lack of pre-season has been massive. And I think that's a big point. I, I, the main difference, I thought we played well today, the football was good. However, I think, which I alluded to with Marcus Rashford, I think a big thing today was we looked fitter. There was just a sense of... You compare it to the Crystal Palace, the Brighton, the Spurs game. This game, we just look sharper. And that is natural. We said with no pre-season, those first few games are going to be tough. But we now look like a team who have had five or six games, which is obviously what we've had. So I think, look, we definitely deserve criticism for the way we started the season. But I was always saying it is going to be tough. You look at Man City, they've struggled at times. They obviously have lost heavily to Leicester and they drew against Leeds. So they have dropped points as well because they're in a similar situation. And they've obviously got their signed players as well. So I think the fitness is a massive issue and I'm glad to see um, Solskjaer has obviously been working them because they definitely did look fit today. Shane from the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney um, echoes our thoughts about De Gea. Says a brilliant save by De Gea as well. And Adrian, who was on the podcast um, this week uh, last week, um, gave his three two ones. Um, said Bruno. Actually, no. Got Rob's Facebook comments. Uh, Rob's three two ones were De Gea, um, Bruno, and Rashford. And I can't see Adrian's one point, but his two points were three points for Bruno, two points for David De Gea. We'll quickly just go to Twitter. Um, one of our listeners from Northern Ireland, um, Jamie from Northern Ireland, sent through a question, which I'll throw to you, Larry. Because it's good that we have listeners not just from Australia, obviously over close to Manchester is very good to hear said hi guys I've seen a lot of people saying Donny van der Beek Bruno and Matter should have all started together my thought is that we would leave ourselves way too open defensively do you think this could work in any game or what two do you think should play in front of a holding midfielder so I think we've discussed that if Pogba and Bruno that, I think a lot of people are coming around to the idea of that not quite working so how do you see sort of that potential midfield moving forward we're not going to debate it really on this podcast, but I think <clears throat> I think United need to make the decision now that this summer is the time to sell Paul Pogba. I just think he's a wonderful footballer, but doesn't suit the system that Oli wants to play. I think he's obviously he's one of the best players in the world in, t- in his position, but the consistency hasn't been there. And I've just accepted that. And we would discuss this in the free for all last week um, at the pub. I think if you can get like a Saul Niguez or someone in that mould, I think United's midfield is a lot more functional. He just doesn't have the work rate nor the discipline to play in a high-pressing, one-touch football team. I just don't think... He's clearly a footballer who wants to be given a free reign to do what he wants. And that's not a criticism of him. Players and styles, you know, Varon, what a wonderful footballer. Just didn't fit in at United. I just think we've come to the time where if you can put like a... Van der Beek, Matic and Bruno I actually think United's midfield would actually function a lot better and I think that's why you saw today that in the past there'd be an over-reliance on Pogba where Solskjaer is actually saying you know what, I can actually get a result without him and he'll clearly he'll play against PSG and we'll get into that in a moment but yeah I, I, just, I think it's the end of Pogba I think it's time to look for players who can suit a system rather than who's the best footballer out there 
Yeah, no, hard to disagree. And look, I'm a huge fan of Paul Pogba, everyone knows, and in my opinion, he's still our best player. And it's crazy to think we'll be better off with our best player, without our best player. But I think it very well might be a case of that. And obviously the club has triggered the extension to keep him for a year. I think a lot of us do just assume that is to protect the value. Um, I think, yeah, my hunch now, and I remember we used to flip-flop on this every second week on the podcast. You're in a transfer window whether we're confident he's going to stay or confident he's going to go. My hunch now is very confirmed that I think he's definitely off at the end of the season. And when you do look, if Bruno progresses the way we think he will, if Donny van der Beek progresses the way um, we hope, we will be well off. Um, okay, it's not a Paul Pogba, but I'd say it might might not be the 11 best players, but it might suit and end up being the actual best 11. I'm with you. And thank you for all those comments. Um, fantastic, again, to interact with us. And well, we have listeners in Ireland. How good's that? I hope Hopefully we can get a free pint and some potatoes and gravy um if we get a visit over there record a podcast i'd I'd love that well once the borders open we're allowed to leave anyway i digress tom psg we got a big game on wednesday is this game as big as everyone is making it out to be because i'm being honest with you i know it's obviously a massive match i'm gonna be g'd up for it but i think in the context of united season what's expected of us and to be honest it's the best team in our group is it really the biggest deal if we lose Look, it's like the opening day of the season. It, like, you, you've got time to make up for it. And it is obviously our hardest game in the group. So, yeah, if we lose, we can still ease, we can still qualify quite easily from the group. So it won't be a disaster. Um, I think it would have been a hell of a lot bit more important if we had lost to Newcastle or if we didn't win against Newcastle. So I think this win does give us Solskjaer a little bit of breathing room. However, I don't know what Solskjaer sees as the bigger game. Now, his rotation in midfield would suggest, in my opinion, he thinks the PSG game is bigger than the Newcastle game. However, if you look at what was at stake in that Newcastle game, potentially, I think the Newcastle game was bigger than the PSG game, as sort of as flashy as this Champions League tie will be. But um, I think it's hard. Look, look, we went there last year. I said last year, we went to PSG last year when they had everything to play for. They had Champions League success on the horizon. And we went there with a midfield three of Fred, McTominay and Pereira, and we won. So, look, I'm not expecting us to go there and win this time, but I'm quietly confident of a good performance. And I think in our current situation, while I do demand a win, or or not demand a win, I demand a performance, that is almost more important for me this time. I think we need to show, not sign of progression, but I don't want to see us take any steps back. We need to stay where we were against Newcastle. I don't want that bar to drop. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I actually want to ask you, Tom, sort of tying into that, and you, you referred to the rotation here with the Newcastle game. Um, we've got a really big game on the weekend against Chelsea. In the context of the season, you'd have to say the Premier League will be bigger. His, Solskjaer's not going to get sacked if we don't win the Champions League, but he's definitely going to get sacked if we don't make top four. So I'm kind of going to ask you a two-sided question here. Do you expect Pogba, Matic, Bruno to be the midfield in this game? And if you do, do you expect those same three players to be the starting midfielders against Chelsea? Yeah, it's hard. I think if you're playing on paper, you'd say yes for both games. However, I've said it before, it's not played on paper and we do need to rotate. And Solskjaer, I think, now has seen the importance of rotating. But they're such big games. I think it's hard because he rotated against Newcastle. I assume Matic and Pogba will come in for the PSG game. However, then do I see Matic and Pogba backing up and playing a couple of days later against Chelsea? I'm, I'm not quite sure because I think I, I echo everyone's thoughts of saying Donny van der Beek deserves a start. 
But if Absolutely. he starts, if he starts, well, it's going to have to drop someone else who was potentially in line to play, and rightfully so, in line to play. So it, look, it's a good, very good problem to have. Solskjaer currently has, but um, it is a tricky one because, like I said, I was quite happy with Fred and McTominay when I saw the team selection. Not many other people were. But this one, whoever plays in midfield now, I'm kind of content. I've got no real um, qualms about it. So, it, look, it will cause debate. If I was playing, against, if I was lining the team up against PSG, I would probably probably pick Matic and Pogba, and yeah, I'd say Bruno. Um, just is sort of have that experience of Matic and that sort of big game feel for Pogba, which I think in the Champions League, he sort of really he thrives on. He will, he will step up in that scenario. So that would be my three, but again, that is very harsh on Donny van der Beek, who I think should be starting. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you about van der Beek. I think he definitely deserves a start. Um, I think he will. I think the Dutchman, if he doesn't start this midweek, I think he definitely starts against Chelsea. You just saw when he came on, and we've seen one. Mata actually mentioned this. Um, he likes playing with. Van der Beek. And I think we need a player in that midfield who can just think one-touch pass. So that's what Pogba doesn't do. For the brilliant footballer he is. Can you... Like, you can see, even today, when Van der Beek's on the ball, just he's thinking ahead. He's got that similar mindset to one Mata, and I just really feel like we'd really benefit with him playing. I think there is a way... We've seen Van der Beek come on the left the few times he's come on in the Premier League. I think there might be a situation yeah. where he could maybe come onto that one Mata role, whether that be on the left or the right. He could take up a wide option and come in and play like one matter does play inside, maybe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I want to ask you about the forward line for this game. There's, that's where the interest is, because Cavani will be available for this one. Martial will be available. His suspension doesn't apply to the Champions League. Uh, look, PSG are going to have the ball. I think United will look to counter. It's no secret there. Do you think he'll go with a two-striker system, play Cavani? Because Cavani's been about, you know, I want to show PSG what they're missing out on. Do you think he might start with Martial up front? Is there a case for that? Or do you think it's a case of Greenwood on the right, Martial, Rashford? Well, I'm not sure what the latest with Greenwood is. I'm sure we'll know by the time this goes out because obviously he wasn't there against Newcastle. But I've just made a case there of saying Donny van der Beek might play in a wide area. However, just mentioning that two-striker system as you just did then, I'm thinking scrap that Donny van der Beek on the bench because I have a feeling we will go back to the 3-5-2 to incorporate um, Alex Tellez on the left-hand side. And obviously PSG are a good team, so I think Solskjaer will set up quite defensively. But if you set up with Tellez at, at left wing back in a 3-5-2, it does open the door for a two-strike system. And Martial will need minutes because he's obviously... I assume he got a three-game suspension. I didn't read it, but I assume it's a yeah, three-match right. suspension. So he won't play against Chelsea. So I think he plays here. And in the two-striker system, you might as well play him with Cavani and then rest Rashford for the Chelsea match. Ooh, that's a big call, mate. That's a big call. So you think he'll go Cavani-Martial? Oh, look, look a, a huge stumbling block with Cavani will be the fitness and if he's ready to play. And if he's not, okay, it'll be Rashford-Martial. And absolutely no issue with that. But it's one of those ones where players that are going to have to be rested. And look, Cavani is obviously keeping himself fit or as fit as he can. And um, some games are just made for players and made for moments. And like Harry Maguire, there was, there was a bit of a feeling Harry Maguire would score today. You could just see it when he's back against the wall. You could almost see something like that happening. And same with Cavani, debut against his old club. And I think the most exciting thing, which no one has touched on, are we potentially going to see the Zebra kit against PSG? 
I think there's a good chance it comes out. Yeah. Do you think so we'll hit the title? Could you imagine Cavani scoring number seven shirt first on his debut against PSG in that Zebra shirt? We'll go viral. Oh, yeah, all the players will be hypnotized. They'll just be standing still. Cavani will dribble through and pretend they're stuck at training, like in the old PSG days, and just put it in the back of the net. I could definitely see that. Yeah, one no, well, United victory. Yeah, just reckon? on that last point in regards to the two-strike system, my, my hunch would he, he will play Cavani um, with a view, because I think Solskjaer is learning now the importance of rotation, and Rashford is one of the players who he's simply never rotated and I think, well, if Martial isn't going to be available on the weekend, it is a chance where you can rest Rashford if he's going to play that central role. Well, we didn't mention him today, but Dan James got a game. And he actually, I thought he didn't do too bad today. So rotation's good. Um, be interesting to see what happens. I think, if I had a guess, I think he goes Martial Rashford up front. And I think Cavani comes off the bench. I could be wrong. But I just think, considering he hasn't played football in so long, I think it's a massive match. When you just consider we're going to be on the counter-attack, it's, we're not going to have a lot of ball. I just think you're asking Cavani to put in a lot of work rate for someone who's not match fit. And just for that reason, I think he goes Martial Rashford to start. But, Tom, we could debate this all day long. Let's get to the most crucial point. What's the score going to be? <laughs> and is Harry Maguire going to get embarrassed by Neymar? And is it going to be clipped up and on Twitter by the time full-time rolls around? Or Mbappe? Some good players. Uh, I think this goal will give Barry Maguire a little bit of confidence and I can see him going through. So he's the type of player who knows he'll be up against it against a, a Neymar or an Mbappe. And when you're up against someone like that, the first thing you have to do is go through them. And I think Harry Maguire is the type of person who will give those guys a kick. And we've seen with Neymar and players like that, they don't respond well to that. They're obviously fantastic footballers and if they get into the game, they will cause us absolute nightmares. But we've dealt with good players before and I back Harry Maguire to do quite well. In terms of a result... Look, you pray for a win. It's very unlikely. Um, look, none more unlikely than when we had to go there and win 3-1. We did that. If I'm a betting man with a little bit of confidence, I'd bet maybe a one-all draw, and I think that would be a, a brilliant result. I'm with you, a one-all draw, because we could lose 5-0, but you'll never hear it come out of my mouth on this podcast. But, you know, we're, we're unbiased. You know that. And I think, Tom, that's a good place to leave the podcast. Anything you want to add before I do the usual spill to wrap us up? No, I just hope everyone's um, enjoying my sort of one matter appreciation um, loving on Twitter at the moment and keep up the good work because it's much better seeing that positivity than Oli out, Solskjaer out, Matter out, too old, too slow. I think a lot of people yeah. are coming around to how good he is. I'm with you. And on the topic of things being out, uh, me and Tom are actually recording this via video call and he's got something out while he's talking about one matter. But anyway, let's not get into that. <laughs> Thank you, as always, guys, for joining us and listening in. If you are holding your phone and you're on iTunes, you know what you got to do. Five-star review. I saw we've, we've got um, – the numbers have definitely gone up there. People have been giving us great reviews, and I've seen some great kind words. People seem to love our banter. I think it's a bit one-sided. It's normally me slating you, mate. But, uh, look, I love doing this with you, obviously. It's a pleasure to do this every week. And, obviously, we'll be here with you to break down that PSG game. Hopefully a win. We'll see. Maybe a late... I could see a Bruno penalty in this one. 90th odd minute. Oh, bring it on. I'd love that. Uh, Praying. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers.